KXSFLP San Francisco and KXSF.FM. Okay, now, if anything says wake up, what you just heard would, would be that. Uh, you are listening to Friday Morning Frequencies. Uh, this is Pamela Bush. Some of you might know me because I have a show on Wednesday afternoons with uh, called uh, it's called Fifth Wave Radio Queerly Drinking. The theme of that show uh, is feminism, LGBTQ issues and natural wine and sometimes a blend of the three and sometimes not much of any of them. But uh, this is a completely different show. Uh, uh, we are, it's a bit of a reformatting of this time space that's going to be focused on local musicians and local organizations. So I will be doing this, let's say once a month, it's going to be a little bit of a KXSF DJ caravan. Uh, so I'm extremely, extremely excited to be here uh, today with my guest, uh, who is Marty O'Reilly, Marty O'Reilly of the Old School Orchestra. Uh, I'm going to let Marty give himself a proper introduction in a moment, but just I'll say a few words about him since I've known him for many, many years. Uh, Marty is a, um, you know, over the course of, let's say, 10 years or so of playing a lot around the Bay Area, has acquired an international following. He is a uh, the lead singer and guitar player of the Old School Orchestra. Uh, the The band was formed in the Central Coast in, in Santa Cruz, but he is originally from Sonoma County. Uh, you know, as, since I have known him for a very long time, I can't say I'm an, a completely unbiased uh, observer here, but uh, I think he is truly talented. I'm blessed to know someone who I, I think has this immense level of uh, skill and just a a remarkable and, and unique voice. So, uh, Marty, can you hear me? Well, hold on. I, let me, give us a second. Everyone here, give us a quick sec. All right, let's try it again. You there? Yeah, can you hear me? Awesome. Great. I'm so glad to have you here. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for the introduction. And, uh, yeah, so I, I feel like, you know, my introduction just that was nothing compared to the introduction you can give. So what? So if you could tell all the listeners, just tell all the listeners out there a little bit about yourselves and how you got into music. Well, first of all, you got the band name wrong, Pamela. <laughs> it's the Old Soul Orchestra. That, well, that's what um, I meant. But you know, that's yeah. That uh, and I do know that. But hey, it's before noon. <laughs> We're live. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've known Pamela. You've probably known me since I was, a, I don't know, four or five years old. Um, we, I'm, I'm back in Sonoma where I grew yeah. up, but um, this band started in Santa Cruz. I had an internship at Natural Bridges State Beach. And uh, one of the people that I was working for there was Chris Lynch, who is the violin player in my band. 
and we kind of figured out pretty quickly that we both really loved music and that was our like big passion what we wanted to do and we started playing together and um we got asked to do this showcase which was like a a busker showcase at the jazz club in Santa Cruz. And they wanted us to do it as a trio. So I asked Chris if he knew an upright bass player. And that was Jeff Kissel, who was the first bass player in our band. And we did that show, which I sent you a recording of mm -hmm. this morning. Yep. Um, so that is that show is our first set and it's why the band formed. And um, that was, I think, eight years ago. And we've been full-time pretty much ever since, um, mostly touring around, uh, you know, sort of like San Diego to Seattle. Uh, but throughout the rest of the country, whenever we can, we've done the whole of North America. Uh, we go to Europe every year um, and a few other random places have played in the Dominican Republic and Japan. And um, but yeah, this is this is what, we, what we've been doing for a while now. And um, so San Francisco Bay Area is kind of the hometown, the closest thing we got, because all the band members are scattered all around it. But we just had a great show at the Independent. You were there. and Yeah, that was amazing. New... Yeah. It was a really, really fun night. Yeah. Yeah. You know, every time I, we, we brought a couple of friends, our, our neighbor and her partner, and uh, every time that I go to one of your shows, I, we usually bring, you know, some people with us, and everyone kind of walks out and is like, wow, wow, that was amazing. Uh, I just, you know, I just feel like it's revelatory, and, and you're, you're one of these bands where like I love listening to your music on, you know, at home of what you do in the studio. But there's nothing like seeing, you know, Marty O'Reilly and the Old Soul Orchestra live. And I got yeah, that was that a time. <laughs> <laughs> that was a particularly fun night because yeah. the there's like a there's like a magic and an energy that we're always going for. Um, Sometimes it's harder to achieve that on bigger stage stages relative to what I'm used to. And that was a big night for us. There's almost 500 people there. And, um, but like the magic still happened. So that was really special for us too, was to kind of have one of those moments that where we could feel intimate with, with that many people and, and have the magic still happen. Yeah. So I'm going to play right now uh, a song from the set that you sent me earlier uh, called Broke the Moon. I'm just going to play a little bit of that for our listeners who are not familiar with your music, just to kind of get an idea. Uh, you know, we'll do a little bit of a musical journey of, of, of what you've done, you know, kind of your earlier music and, and where you are now. Uh, so here is Broke the Moon. Can I chime in for some context first? For you guys? Please. Yeah. <laughs> this this is a recording, yeah. a live recording of our first show. And uh it was just kind of that exciting night I was talking about a little bit earlier. Uh and it was sort of bootlegged and um it's up on Bandcamp for free. And this is a song, it's one of the first songs I ever wrote. And I, the thing that I love about this recording is one, there's so much like we're having so much fun. We're so excited to share what we've been working on for the first time with an audience. And two, I'm just so young <laughs> in, in this recording. There's like, a, a, I don't want to say just a sort of adolescent quality to me as a songwriter and um, still trying to figure out my identity. Uh, so this is like a little bit like sharing a a page from my like high school yearbook or something it's a little embarrassing but it's also fun and nostalgic okay all right well i hope you're not too embarrassed no it's all right <laughs> all right okay we'll be we'll be back in just a, a moment
sauce is so tasty She drives me crazy I love the way she wears that golden light From some crusty old boot with a PhD. She's so sweet, she must be filled with sugar. But these educated fools seem to think she's made out of cheese. I woke middle of the line. Yes, I pulled her on down. Took a great big bite. I broke So, uh, how does it feel to you when you go back and you listen to this now? Okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so sorry. How how does it feel when when you go back and you listen to it? Um, it makes it's embarrassing. <laughs> I think most people, most musicians feel this way about like really old recordings of old songs. You know, there's just, I don't know why it's so jarring, but a lot of people don't understand. I think I'm particularly bad about it, but um, I think it's generally hard for musicians, one, to hear their own recordings and two, like particularly old ones um, because you've worked so hard to like grow in all these ways. And so uh, to me, uh, there's just like, I don't know, it's interesting. At first I felt embarrassed because I feel, I kind of feel like I'm a much better songwriter now. And then I remember that a lot of those lines, they're kind of hokey, but there's almost this sort of like children's song kind of quality to them. That's, that's there with, that's playing with this sort of fun, lighthearted imagery and um, not something I do so much anymore. (laughs) So it's also just interesting to look back and, and, and kind of look at where my head was at. Yeah. I remember you said to me a couple of years ago, uh, and this was, you know, it was, it was pretty much after, you know, I think it was after the second album and you were saying that you just feel like your voice has changed so much and that it was mm-hmm. even kind of hard for you to sometimes listen to your voice, you know, from, you know, from the first album, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just because you feel like you had changed you know, like that, you know, that much over the course of, of a few years. Uh, I mean, I do imagine that a lot of musicians, you know, f- feel this way. Uh, but can you? I also wonder if there's going to be a point where, where you're going to like revisit some of the really early material and where it's actually going to provide some inspiration for you too. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I, I sort of didn't have training as a vocalist and kind of did. I it was like a part of my education being in like choir and stuff at Waldorf school. And then um, I took a few lessons that were super helpful, a few private lessons, but I was never like, you know, rigorously trained as a singer. And, and so I had all, and still do like all these bad habits that come with just kind of learning, learning to do it largely yourself in your own way. But that can also, those things can also develop a sense of like character and, and uniqueness. But for me, what I really wanted was I wanted to, I wanted to be singing in the most, I've always wanted to sing in the most natural way possible. And the funny thing is a lot of the time 
those like affectations, the things that I feel self-conscious about in those earlier recordings, you can't even really tell that they're there as in, in the first person. Like they, you, they, they seem second nature and natural to you. And then over time, once you learn to stop doing them, you, you know, I didn't even realize I was doing that at the time. And then in retrospect, I'm like, whoa, what? There's, there's this way that I was singing that is just very, doesn't feel natural to me. And I think that's probably the most embarrassing thing about these recordings. That's why I don't listen to my own records. But, you know, it's been a fun journey just kind of like working to, to find a way to sing as naturally as possible to, to, to realize like how much harder that is. than I think a lot of people realize, um, and yeah, but, but the thing that I, that I really do like, uh, when I listen back to old recordings, sometimes is when I'm not singing. I really like the energy. There's just like, um, you know, at this time in my life, I was in my early twenties and we, the, the group and I, in both the live performance and the like songwriting composition aspect, there's just this like lighthearted energy that's really palpable to us. And it's, it's really kind of infectious. I think it's, it's really fun and I can immediately feel myself being back in that headspace too, which is great. Yeah. And the, the band too was different. Uh, I mean, Chris has been a constant, but you had a different bass player and you didn't have a drums player then too. So it was a yeah. different configuration. And that also, you know, I remember in the earlier days, you identified more as like a Delta blues band too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you still identify that way? It's hard. It's, it becomes an increasingly complicated question because I feel like that's who I am at my core as a musician. Like that's the music that I just totally fell in love with and learned to play while I was learning to play guitar. And um, you know, so I, we wear a lot of different hats as a band. We love so many different genres of music. We like to kind of dabble in them. Um, and so there's no one specific genre of music that we play. But for me, it's kind of like at, at the core of all of it is this like deep Americana, old American folk music, a Delta blues thing. And I feel like a guy who does that, trying out different things and playing with different people that bring different inspirations to the table. Yeah. So uh, we need to take a real quick break here for a couple of announcements. We'll be back in less than a minute with Marty O'Reilly of Marty O'Reilly and the Old Soul Orchestra. Support for KXSF comes from Open Mind Music, a haven for record lovers since 1994. Henry at Open Mind believes music soothes the soul, inspires change, and makes us move. Find a wide variety from ABBA to Zappa, funk to punk, bebop to hip-hop, including new and used LPs, vintage turntables, local art, and your chance to meet Roxy the Doxy. Come find your groove in record time at Open Mind Music, 5521 College Avenue near Rockridge Bart in Oakland. Bring your own buzz, beat your own boredom, burn your own boats. The BYOB Show, Bring Your Own Beats, is your bi-weekly blend of choice cuts old and new, local and intergalactic, without regard to genre or anything else other than good. Put it all in a brown paper sack and come on down to KXSF 102.5 FM San Francisco every other Thursday from 6 to 9 p.m. with me, DJ3D. This show should be played loud. Great, and we are back. You are listening to KXSF FM in San Francisco. This is Pamela Bush, and uh, the show is Friday Morning Frequencies. And I'm thrilled to be having a conversation with Marty O'Reilly of Marty O'Reilly and the Old Soul Orchestra, a uh, local band. But uh, when local 
is not limited to their their audience. They've traveled not only throughout the United States, but uh, in other countries as well, and, and have over the course of several years and three albums now developed quite a following. Um, and again, it is, it's an absolute thrill to have you here. You know, Marty, when I talk to other people around the Bay Area, especially people I know from Santa Cruz, everyone knows who you are. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. As a of, and, and, you know, a lot of people kind of in the local music scene, some do, some don't, but, uh, you know, a lot, a lot do. How, how do you feel like for you about your, your journey as an artist uh, locally and getting more recognition? You know, how, how does that feel to you? If Like when, when you're, people are like, oh, yeah, I know your music, you know, and you have you you know you can go to a show in a place you know another country and there are all of these people who show up for you what 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 is that like um incredibly rewarding um you know there's so much like artist self-doubt stuff that happens for me and for everybody you know you just kind of learn like oh that's part of the game this sort of constantly asking yourself like am i the real deal or am i a big fraud you know and and um, when people come up to you and let you know that they appreciate what you're doing, it's like the best medicine for that. This sort of reminder that w- w- everything you've been doing has value for other people. And that's kind of like the most important thing to me. What, what I'm trying to do when we go into a venue and play a show is we're trying to make the audience f- like feel as good as possible. And and the way that we try and the way that we found that to be most effective is to make ourselves feel really good. So we're up there like having as much fun as we possibly can. And we've learned over time that that is a mechanism by which you can help everybody else feel as good as possible. And, um, you know, it still feels like this kind of little club. There's the, I moving around Santa Cruz and Sonoma and stuff. Um, there'll be people that recognize me relatively regularly and then, you know, a million, a million people that don't. And then every once in a while I'll be in Los Angeles or Chicago or something and somebody will. And that's just like the coolest thing ever, you know? Um, but it still feels like, it feels like this little club because they feel like, you know, people walking amongst this crowd of people that don't know who you are. And that's the really interesting thing, especially because my audience is so driven mostly by Spotify. Um, discover weekly and different sort of playlists created by Spotify that um, my audience is composed of one, like people that came to us through some sort of our live show and touring world, you know, playing shows and word of mouth about that. And that's a little bit more geographically localized to the West coast and then everywhere else, it's these people just dotted all over the country and it makes it really hard to reach them and tour because there's only a handful of people in each city that know who we are. Um, but when you meet those people, it's really cool. And sometimes they travel to us, you know, cause we can't really make it to them. But um, I, I want somebody taught me early on in my career to establish goals and try to map them out, treat myself like not just an artist, but a small business. And, so I created goals and they were never like super ambitious. It was basically, I wanted to do, I wanted to be at where I'm at right now, which is to have this kind of cool little 
small following that cares a lot about what we're doing. Um, that was sort of most, mostly focused on the West Coast and blah, blah, blah. And like a few years later, we're there. And um, so that just constantly brings me this sense of happiness and like safety. I don't know. It's, it almost feels like the right word. It's just like knowing that I'm, I'm where I want to be. And I guess there's like a peacefulness to that. Um, yeah, well, I imagine it's knowing you're 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 around like fans, many who've been following you for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, if let's say you might, I don't know, miss a line, although I've never heard you miss a line, or or you know something happens that like where you might you you or the band might be like, oh, that kind of was like a mess up. They might not even notice, and they're not going to care. Like they love you, and they know that every show you have, you're bringing it. You know, it's like you you have that you have a really loyal following, and I I can see where that just it is it is like having a you know like a security blanket in a, in mm-hmm. a way I would imagine. Uh, I mean, I, I would people say to me when I like just speaking on the radio, like oh I'm afraid to do that. I've asked various people to come onto the show, and they're just they're terrified of having a microphone in front of them. I would be terrified of having to actually sing in front of a microphone because I can't carry a <laughs> tune, right? But that that is something like you are you're putting yourself out there. You're really really putting yourself out there, um, and I see it. What you know from having seen you perform many times, you real you really are doing that, and I can imagine that's scary. And that having, especially knowing you know locally within the Bay Area and Santa Cruz, which I kind of consider the Bay Area too, uh, that you have people who an audience is going to be like, hey, you know, we are just stoked to have you come and play here. And like that's that has got to just feel great, I would imagine. Totally, totally. And that was something that uh, my my tour manager, dear friend Natasha, she's she's on the road with us all the time. And we sometimes we have long drives where we have really good talks about what we're doing and we get really deep. And we had this conversation about our fan base the other day. And she was just reminding me of like, yeah, our fan base is really loyal. It's not like every band's following. Our fans will keep coming to see us over and over and over again for years. And um, I, that means so much to me. It makes me feel so happy. And I think one of the reasons why that happens is, is because of that energy of like, being hyper present in the moment for every show that like bringing bringing yourself isn't just a like this is who I am and what I'm like but like this is who I how I actually feel right now um it makes each performance feel fresh because it's really based off of thoughts and feelings that are happening in real time and not just like uh portrayal of things that you felt previously yeah yeah you know when you when you're performing and okay so here's the thing i I want to do you consider yourself shy in some ways yes and in some ways no yeah so i remember uh taking to some people see you a few years ago this is probably five or six years ago and you were just this you know this incredible presence when you were singing and, and playing music but then when you would stop and you would talk a little bit they're like wow he's, he's so soft spoken 
And I mean, you are, it's like, you know, you, you have a, a beautiful singing voice. You also have a beautiful spoken voice. I, mean, I think, you know, you should read children's books. Uh, you know, Thank there, you. there's your second career. <laughs> but, 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 you know, you, you do. And I was watching an, an, um, a documentary on Ingrid Bergman the other night and where she was saying and her children were saying that she was actually, especially when she was younger, this very, very shy person. So acting was a way for her to get herself out of that. Uh, and I don't know if that's, if, if that's true enough for you, but, but I have one thing that I have noticed is that it, when you are, when you're on stage, you, you get to a point sometimes where you seem like you're in a trance. Is that true? Oh, 100%. And it's really funny to look back at it because I'm like, sometimes just video footage and I'm just like flailing my head around like I'm like, why did I, <laughs> I never make the conscious decision to flail my head around. But when I, I always know it's been a good show. The next day I wake up and my neck is killing me from right. like throwing my shy head all over the place. Um, but yeah, the, the spoken, the, my mumble voice on stage is a really funny thing for me. This uh, uh, kind of twofold. Uh, one, an actual sense of shyness, uh, learning to talk on stage is a completely different skill set than learning to sing and perform on stage. Um, I feel like I've gotten better at it over time, largely from thinking about the same kinds of things. When I talk on stage, most of the things I'm saying are things I premeditated that day, thinking about what's tonight about? Who, what did I notice? You know, what's on my mind today? Um, so I'm usually not thinking of it in the moment, but I just kind of like have this list of things that I've been thinking about for that show that night. Yeah. And, and so, and things that I say that I might need to say on a regular basis to try and say them in a non-scripted way. You know, you, you, we've all have conversations about who we are and what we do and we have them over and over again in, in just normal conversations in life, but they don't have to feel scripted because we answer them earnestly. We talk about them as they, as they occur to us in the moment. And that helps me feel better. The other, the thing about my mumbling though, was it, it's one of the weirdest, most jarring things about performing, particularly in a larger venue, like, like I was talking about before, is that it's really easy to forget that what you're hearing is really different than what the rest of the room hears. We have speakers, at our feet in front of us, some people know this, some people don't, they're called monitors and they push all the sound that we're making so that we can hear it. There's a completely different sound system. And then the other one that the audience hears is called the mains. And so if I always just kind of assumed that like, if I can decipher what I'm saying through the monitor to myself, then everyone else must be able to understand me. And then a couple of years in, Natasha, who I was just talking about was like, do you know, like, do, do you know how much you're mumbling and how no one can understand what you're saying every night? And I thought, oh my God, really? So it's something <laughs> I sometimes forget about. Uh, it's, something, it's something I'm always trying to work on, but um, yeah, it's it's harder. It's harder than people think. Yeah. No, I, it, I, I can imagine. It just like from being in this little, you know, setup that I'm here in the studio, mm -hmm. uh, because you have to keep, track of so many things yeah uh, and yeah. you know kind of turning one thing on another thing on and making sure that 
other things and still turned on. And it's like, yeah. And, you know, I certainly have not perfected the art, as you might have noticed earlier in the program. And I said, I'm a, I'm a, I, I, start, I got here, like, right in time because I was in a car that gave me a tour of San Francisco. Uh, anyway. Uh, unintended un, tour. It was a completely unintended tour. It was like a <laughs> GPS thing. The driver was incredibly nice. It, it wasn't anything like that. It just sort of, like, yeah. rattled me a bit. I digress. Yeah. I digress. Anyway, but 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 I know what you're saying. It's like you know you have all of these things that mm-hmm. that you need that are part of your job that need you need to be like clicking and working at the same time. You have to be aware of too. So it's not just like wow, you can just go up there with your guitar and sing, but you have to you know you have to think about the monitors. You have to think about you know how everyone else is going to sound. I'm usually whenever I'm speaking, have to simultaneously think about is my guitar in tune? What is the next song? What time is it? And how am I doing in deep, the depth of my set relative to how long I'm supposed to play for? Um, how is the audience looking and feeling? I'm thinking about all those things at the same time, always. And it's, yeah, it's and sometimes your guitar string is broken or it's like wildly out of tune or you know, one band member doesn't want to play the song that was written down next. And so there's this impromptu conversation about like, what are we going to switch it to happening in real time? Sometimes that person's me, you know? Yeah. It's, that is incredibly, incredibly challenging. (laughs) Yeah. I I bet. Yeah. So a few, it was about four years ago, you changed the, the uh, lineup of the band. Isn't that when uh, Matt and Jeff came on was about four years ago or so. So the original lineup was yep. the current fiddle player, Chris, right. myself, and Jeff Kissel. Yeah. Um, and that I think we started in 2013. Um, and maybe just like two years later, Matt, our drummer, uh, joined us. And I think maybe about two years after that, uh, Jeff decided to leave the band. That's right. Ben is the new band. Yeah, and then Ben yeah. came on. Mm-hmm. Right. And so how has that changed your I mean obviously your sound's going to change because as an, as a musician you evolve. But how would you say that that's changed the band? And I remember the days when you didn't have percussion. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, how It's changed it a ton. I mean, a lot of people are actually have a hard time with how much our music has changed over the years. And I could talk about this forever, so stop me if you need to. But um, it's funny because our our first album is very Americana and very like minor swing, like Tom Waits influenced. Um, And when you release your first album, everyone just kind of is like, oh, that's who you are and that's what you do. But we're all kind of the types of musicians where who we are and what we're doing is always changing over time based off of what we're into. And so that album is as much a snapshot as anything else I've ever done of this ever changing thing. But the first one is the one that gets established as like, this is your baseline identity when it's not necessarily true. And um, so I think while that album was happening, we we had an incredible amount of fun and in the and in the back of our minds i i hope i can speak for all of us in the band when i say this but like i think there was this lingering thing of like we're playing americana music 
and we kind of want to we kind of want to experiment like stretch it in this way and get outside of that and not leave it behind but there's like kind of this outer edge that we want to push at and and the last song on the album uh pray for rain is called cocoon and that was the first one that i think i thought it was a cool way to end the album because it's it's kind of an indication of like what what's what's going to happen moving forward it has this different quality to it which i think is um more prevalent in the albums that followed of this sort of like yeah it's folk music or it's americana but it also has this like dreamlike quality to it that's sometimes feels like psychedelic music or sometimes even like prog rock a little bit um and so we all had that feeling i think uh definitely chris and i of like wanting to experiment a little bit and when Matt came on board, I think he brought a lot of that similar energy to the table. And when you bring drums into what was before then, like sort of a string band, um, that changes things fundamentally. Mm-hmm. You know, part there's a big part of Americana and, and American folk music that's like a, a, per, a percussiveness that's carried by all the instruments, the guitar and the upright bass everything is you know and like mandolin classically um when you bring drums on board something changes fundamentally mm-hmm. and also there was a lot of this sense of space that might not be there in the same kind of way with a full drum kit going um and you know i don't think that i don't think that jeff our original bass player i don't think that that's what he wanted so much i think he was kind of happy where we were at and there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, you know, it was it, he has such a beautiful relationship with music and and um, a value for what we were doing. I don't think you know. I, I would understand why somebody wouldn't want it to change too. And I think that was one of the reasons why he left the band is it, it was moving in a direction that he didn't really want to go to anymore. Um, and then when Ben came on board, I think Ben was really on board with that with with the direction we were going. He was feeling the same thing. Yeah, and we went really deep into it with our album Stereoscope, and I think it was like really jarring for a lot of people. And our newest album, I think, is kind of a step, a step, a little bit of a step back, um, a little bit more feet on the ground, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's interesting. I've been you know listening to you know all three albums, and I mean, first of all, like you're mentioning Spotify. Well, all like the top songs on Spotify are from the first album, and granted, that yeah. could also be because it's been on there the longest too. Uh, yeah. But I, I would imagine for you, uh, you'd be like, wait a second, why, you know, why isn't everyone listening, you know, to Signal Fires now? Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are, and, and people will will discover it too. Uh, but it's funny because a lot of those things are kind of outside of your control and your yeah. fans' control. Yeah. Because Spotify allows you to see like not just how many listens you have, but where those listens are occurring, and by far the reason why our first album is sitting at the top is because Spotify is plugging it into a big discover weekly, you know, radio um, generated playlists. And it doesn't, I don't think it's learned enough about the new album to know where to do that yet. Yeah. But it's not because people are organically choosing that they want to listen to one album or the other. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear that too. Uh, but it's, you know, I've been kind of going, personally going through the new album a lot and sort of every week or so falling in love with the new song. 
Uh, mm. You know, just for different reasons. I mean, I, I've cool. got to tell you, I I loved, absolutely, you know, loved Stereoscope. Uh, mm. Yeah, I think that, that to me that was just such a, a like, that just had this just this moodiness in the mm-hmm. album, and and mm-hmm. you know I think is that the first album that you you did like full on the the four of you the you know with with uh, with uh, Matt and Ben. Yeah. 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 No, I think like that. That's just. I yeah I. I am sure that at some point in the future, when you have other albums and you have even more fans, people are going to start coming back to this album, being like, "Wow, this was." This is an this was like a really kind of overlooked album because I could see how getting sandwiched in between, you know the you know the the uh, signal fires, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, pray for rain, uh, you know where that could be that sort of like it does it is different it is kind of different yeah. too um, yeah yeah. Uh, so we need to take another quick break. We'll be back in just a minute or so. I am. This is you're listening to KXSF FM in San Francisco, and this is Friday Morning Frequencies. I'm Pamela Bush, and my guest is Marty O'Reilly, and we'll be back in just a moment. Support for KXSF San Francisco Community Radio is provided by Babylon Burning, San Francisco's oldest screen printer. Babylon Burning is a San Francisco legacy business offering full-service screen printing for your band or company. Located in San Francisco's Soma District at 63 Bluxom Street, Babylon Burning has served the Bay Area since 1976. Their website is babylontee.com. That's B-A-B-Y-L-O-N-T-E-E dot com. Fontaine's DC. Emil and the Sniffers. Betty Levette. The Gallagher. The OCs. These aren't just the names of legendary musicians, hot bands, or emerging artists. It's a list of live interviews and or live performances that have all been featured on KXSF 102.5 FM in the past year. KXSF DJs and hosts are working hard to bring you exclusive chats and live performances from internationally acclaimed artists as well as local bands and musicians looking to spread the word about their music. We're the biggest little radio station on the dial. So go tell your friends what they're missing and keep tuning in to KXSF 102.5 FM San Francisco. Stream us and donate at www.kxsf.fm. And welcome back to uh, Friday Morning Frequencies. This is Pamela Bush, and my guest is Marty O'Reilly of Marty O'Reilly and the Old Soul Orchestra. And uh, the... Your band, Marty, just released a new album in you know, a few months ago, Signal Fires. Uh, I'm going to play real quickly a little bit of the title track for every, everyone to hear. And uh, then I want to hear what, uh, why you named this album Signal Fires. My, my partner has a theory, but I'm not sure if mm. he's right. Okay, so here, let's just, let's just uh, take a minute or so to listen to the song. Sure. The sun is breaking My thoughts like moths Are drawn into my heart By the lantern that you left there My celestial guide Darling, I hear you from afar The notes of love you hidden on my path Only to start 
signal fires, these signal fires. Your love is burning like the pyre, burning like the pyre. All made of stars, these signal fires. Okay, so um, that is Signal Fires, the title track from Marty O'Reilly and the Old Soul Orchestra's new album. So, yeah, tell me about the song, Marty. Well, first of all, uh, you know, a lot of my music is pretty cryptic. But in this way that, like, a lot of songwriters are nowadays, and I think the part of that is that, like, this... um, abs sort of abstract quality that's less about like what is this song about and more about how does it make you feel that is how i write a lot of the time and so when someone else has a theory about what a song is about there isn't really any right or wrong it's just like where we will be feeling the same thing um or or like was your how was your take different from mine and that's super interesting so um uh, it's so most of what i do is supposed to be left up to interpretation um that song and then and then from there i like to say like i do have my own things that i was specifically thinking about and experiencing at the time but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be the that's what this song is about and when i wrote that song i was doing an artist residency and uh, California was really on fire for the first time. I, th- I think it was 2017. And so I'm like staying in this little spot and I, I'm outside and there's like a film crew that's been hired to like film me and <laughs> my process. And um, they're actually like buddies of mine too. And the, um, the sky turned, it was like just about, dusk and the sky turned to that crazy orange color that it does when the smoke is really really thick and it it makes you feel like you're on an alien planet and it and it covers everything with this like strange hue your skin looks bizarre and this is the light is like nothing like you've ever seen before um so that's like happening in a very literal way in the world and also i was super and am still super in love. I was engaged and uh, just like feeling a lot of things about that. And I wanted to write a love song for my wife. And so it's it's a love song written to her, um, you know, with that kind of fiery backdrop and a lot of things that I think are super normal for musicians um in their romantic lives is like a big theme is going to be being physically apart from each other a lot of the time and how hard that is and caroline and i have a hard time being away from each other and so there's a lot of themes in my songs that are about finding ways to connect and communicate with each other over long distances um that's kind of what the song secret song is also about, which is also on signal fires. Um, and you know, that's definitely present in signal fires itself. 
Yeah, and now that you are a father, and a, you know, again, congratulations. Thank you. How you know? I'm wondering how that shifts your perspective. Uh, you know, one thing like on this album, and you know, you're not necessarily afraid to express your political beliefs. Uh, you know, they're not to say that you're like really, really out there. Uh, but mm-hmm. during the, the independence show when you did Jonestown and you, you know, mentioned that it just seems like a good, you know, half this country is living in a cult. Uh, and then, you know, looking at the, you know, the, the lyrics from Jonestown, you know, witness the happenings we never thought would happen. Uh, yeah, we, we know what you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, now having, you know, now that you have, have a child, uh, how, how are you thinking about the world and the world that your your son is going to live in and be, you know become an adult in you know with you know having these you know climate change that leads to these you know these yeah. fires and uh yeah i mean i'm wondering about that and and also how that and your your feelings about fatherhood and and this world that we're living in right now and how that's impacting you as an artist Mm, that's a lot um (laughs) but like super important stuff you know and for me all of that is just this mess of so many different thoughts and feelings that that don't feel like they're like even remotely close to settling yet I haven't like arrived I don't feel anything conclusive about it but for me the main ingredients are one I'm worried for what the world will be like when he's an adult, what, what sort of consequences of our actions will he be living with? Um, And also (laughs) the sort of pushback against that being the sort of um, idiocracy sort of theory, this like, I don't, it's hard to bring a child into this world but also, like, if I believe in my values and I believe my child is likely going to share those values, it's okay if he doesn't. But what's the what's the world gonna be? <laughs> what's the world gonna be like if like progressive people don't have kids ever? You know, it's gonna be a world full of people raised uh, by conservatives. And sorry if I'm like offending anyone right now. Also, not sorry. Um, but so I, I, I have to remind myself that it's super important too. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. And I've talked to, you know, like I was talking to my nephew a while ago and it's like, you know, I feel bad for you. He's 22 and I was like, you know, because you are inheriting a world that's been completely screwed up by my generation and the generations that came before me and even mm-hmm. you know, some millennials to an extent. And he said, yeah, well, you know, it's up to us. You know, we're going to change it. And mm-hmm. I do hear other people from that generation and teenagers today, and you do see the, like the, you know, teenage activism and how many teens are getting involved in you know trying in trying to curb gun you know create gun control and and so mm-hmm. many other issues and even how values are changing. I mean, the majority of people under thirty don't believe in capitalism. That's the last thing I I, I heard, um, mm. you know, it's not that say that that there that people want to live in like something like you know. So the Soviet Union, but that there is a different way to live. So I think there is some cause for optimism. Personally, I'm just afraid this optimism might come too late because we have so 
screwed the planet. But, you know, t- time will tell. Uh, but I have since the the album, you know, since Signal Fires, have, have you written more songs? <laughs> well, not since its release, yeah. um, because its release was in October. My baby was born on September 20th. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I am not really performing very often right now. Uh, I'm barely doing any other work and I still feel like I don't have room in my life for <laughs> Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. baby is a, is a full-time job for more than two people. It's unbelievable. Um, but the, inter- the other interesting thing is like the signal fires was recorded in December of 2019. Wow. Okay. Mostly, mostly. Yeah. And we were like in the post-production process when COVID hit and (laughs) okay, well, we're just going to have to sit on this for a while. And we made the best of the hand that we were dealt and we took extra time in post-production. We, we fixed a lot of things we probably wouldn't have normally bothered to fix. We, you know, one song that wasn't going to be on the album was, uh, sleep talking wasn't going to be on the album because we hated it. And then Chris, you know, over several months took it home and like worked all this magic on it. And all of a sudden it was like, Oh, this is our like front runner song. Probably. Um, that was really cool. So like since signal fires, yes, I have written music, but it was like over the course of, um, 20, 2020 mostly. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and then, um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, anxious to find the space and time in my life and like <laughs> the, the silence to be able to start writing again um but it, i have to just be real and and know that i have to table that for a little bit but also like i have a brand new album it has a lot of work that i still need to to do for it i still need to be promoting it and touring it and you know, getting to know those songs in a live capacity. The work isn't even over on the last album, so I, I cut myself a little bit of slack there, too. Oh, sure. I just know as a creative, sometimes, you know, there's always, the wheels are always spinning, and you might just all of a sudden be like, yeah, I have a song. I'm going to just, you know, like, just write a few things down and kind of see, see where it goes. I, I, I do that. I haven't <laughs> done anything, like, I haven't done anything, I think, terribly significant. They're just things for my enjoyment, and that's kind of what writing should be anyway but um sort of like i write a lot of like ditties right now in the sense that like i'll write a song it's a minute long okay. <laughs> um uh but yeah yeah well so you're okay your next show is new year's eve right well i have two shows coming up okay one is at uh a, a magical little spot called smiley's schooner saloon in bolinas um so if you take the Golden Gate Bridge with San Francisco behind you and you go across into like Marin and you keep taking Highway 1 up the coast. It's a magical little town up there. Yeah. And Smiley's is like one of the oldest bars in California. And I just love it because it's kind of a, it's a destination. And also it's just like, it's always really fun. Um, so it's just kind of this tiny little secret place I like to go out and play every couple of years. So that's on December 17th. Okay. I think there's only 60 tickets for that. Um, and then the next show is New Year's Eve after that at the Hot Monk in Sebastopol, and that'll be a bigger show. 
And if people want to get tickets, what's the where what's the best way to get them? You can just go to MartyO'Reilly.com. Uh, and then on my tour tab, there's there's links in the Facebook events and stuff. Okay. But um, that that'll be really fun. My friend Kenja McKinley, uh, who you should also check out um, for the future. She's going to open up. She's really amazing, multi talented singer songwriter from um, Santa Cruz. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, no, the, uh, New Year's Eve is a. a I've ha- I've had to work way too many New Year's Eves. So my pledge for New Year's Eve is, is usually to celebrate New York time and then go to sleep. Uh, but, <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I looked at this like, God damn, I'd love to go. However, the Bellina show, that's kind of interesting. Are you, are you doing that with the band or is that solo? By myself. That you're doing by Okay. You never know. Maybe we'll see if we can make it up for that. Do you have any, what, any a tour planned for the spring or at any point in 2022? Yeah, there will be a lot of touring, but um, it's kind of – it's really hard to plan a tour right now. Right. Everyone's yeah. it's a crazy, crazy time in the music industry. It's um, like it, when you're booking shows as a musician, you're often competing for dates and there's like this order, you know, like, like you might, when you like pull a number at the deli or whatever, and you have to wait your turn. And so there might be 11 people ahead of you for, friday april blah 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 and you think oh that'll never happen and then all 10 or 11 of them cancel and then you actually get the date you know it's just everything's moving around it's really really hard to book a show and um so it feels 10 times harder to do a single show so the 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 thought of booking tours is is pretty daunting um but the long and the short of it is the first quarter we, we won't be touring so much and then uh uh, we'll be touring a lot more in the second, third, and fourth quarters. Okay, great. So I just I know you, you've got a bounce, uh, and that you there's a baby there who I'm sure needs your attention. But I just have to, <laughs> have have two questions for you that hopefully you can answer real quickly. Yeah, uh, no as problem. As quick as you can. Uh, so first, yeah. first is what are you listening to right now? Uh, you know, like let's say this the last few weeks or so, what, what's you know musically, what is it that you're into? What is it that I'm into? You know, honestly. Uh, the way I'm listening to music right now is music that I'm playing for my baby. <laughs> okay, so what, so what are you playing for him? But it's cool. It's it cool because it's like, oh, it's his first time hearing Nick Drake. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so early in the morning, I'll try and find something less de- depressing by Nick Drake. It's sort of like the a big theme when you have like a super newborn is you're trying not to overstimulate them all the time. And, right. and so like sometimes you need uh, music that really makes them smile and sometimes you need it to, to, to like occupies their brain without overwhelming them so um uh nick drake in the mornings and then um yeah i mean poor boy nick drake poor boy is pretty good it has sort of that gospely edge to it too so it's not really uh-huh. that depressing yeah his favorite song is of course um who does i can't I keep blanking on his name don't worry be happy yeah oh uh bobby mcferrin yeah we listen to that song every day, multiple times. It always makes me smile. And and then it's just fun to see how he reacts to different stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll put on, like, Charles Mingus or Thelonious Monk. And he, like, his his reaction to, like, Bob Jazz is really cool because mm-hmm. it's it's so flurried a lot of the time. And he it makes him giggle, you know. it's it's uh, That's really cool. So that's how I'm listening to music right now is, like, getting – to relearn a lot of old stuff that I listened to my whole life with my brand new baby. That's got to be amazing. 
I mean, it's really fun. That's got to be really cool. It's super fun. Yeah. Okay. So last question for you: If you could play with any musician, alive or dead, who would it be? Like, like play on stage with them? Yeah, play on stage with them. Um, maybe, maybe Django Reinhardt. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I never thought about that. Um. I'd love to share a bill with Jolie Holland. I'm a huge mm-hmm. Jolie Holland fan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough question. All right. Well, you, you could you could think about this, and you know, we could discuss it at some point later on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Marty, thank you so much. I know you know. I, again, I appreciate taking an hour of your time away from you know from your family is is so, so very much appreciated so thanks so much uh for those it's been of you great chatting with you oh absolutely always uh you are listening to kxsf lp in san francisco this is pamela bush uh, for friday morning frequencies and my guest has been marty o'reilly of the old soul orchestra and his band has a new album out right now called signal fires you can listen to it on spotify um and other streaming services uh can you buy it as well is there a way where you can get it through cd or, or vinyl we have CDs. Um, we're mostly just selling them at shows. And then the vinyl company that we were working with completely, completely screwed us over. We put the order in last May and they told us it'd be ready in November. And we're like, okay, it'll be a couple of weeks late. No problem. And then November came up and they said, actually, it's not going to be ready till next August. So they were trying to put us out and they, they kept our deposit. It was awful. Um, we found a great company in New Orleans that's going to print it as quickly as possible. So we're hoping to have vinyl in uh, maybe February, March, somewhere around there. But you can pre-order the vinyl on my website at martyoreilly.com. Okay, well, I can't wait. And again, if you'd like to see Marty live uh, December 17th, he'll be playing at Smiley's and Bellinas. Uh, and then again, um, New Year's Eve at Sebastopol. And what's the name of that venue again? Is Hop Monk. That's right, Hop Monk. Okay, great. Again, so th- thanks so much, Marty. Uh, we'll be right back in just a few minutes. We're actually going to do a set of, of Marty's music for those of you who can still nice. listen in. So long. Thanks, Pamela. Sure. This New Year's Eve, veteran KXSF volunteer and DJ Elizabeth Platt was among two people killed in a tragic hit-and-run accident south of Market. Unfortunately, pedestrian injuries and deaths in San Francisco are not uncommon. To honor Elizabeth's memory, KXSF is teaming up with Walk SF to address this growing threat. To find out more, please go to kxsf.fm and click on KXSF Acts or check out walksf.org. Thank you. Support for KXSF comes from McCarthy's Irish Bar, located west of Twin Peaks in the heart of the West Portal Business District. McCarthy's is open inside and out and will continue featuring food from neighboring Franco's Latin Table. Watch sports on the back patio or hang inside and sit at the bar for a chat. So come on back to McCarthy's, have a pint, and make some new friends. McCarthy's Irish Bar at 46 West Portal Avenue. Thanks for your support. And uh, we are coming up on 11 o'clock a.m. on this Friday morning in San Francisco. You're listening to KXSF LP. This is Pamela Bush with Friday Morning Frequencies. And I just spent 
And now we're talking to Marty O'Reilly of Marty O'Reilly and the Old Soul Orchestra, uh, one of, I think, the Bay Area's best bands right now. Uh, and yes, I'm biased because I've known Marty for a long time, but every time I introduce people to their music, they're they're pretty blown away. So uh, if you have a streaming service, check them out. You can also go to the website, uh, MartyO'Reilly.com, and listen to some of the music and also uh, buy some of, of their music. And we're going to actually do a set right now starting off with Sleep Talking, uh, which is the song that, that Marty mentioned almost didn't make it onto the album, but then was retooled uh, by Chris Lynch, who is the band's fiddle player. And I, I've got to say, I did want to ask Marty a little bit about Chris because this guy is like just watching him. He's he is amazing. Uh, anyway, uh, here's Sleep Talking uh, from Signal Fires. <laughs>
That was Shudder from uh, Marty O'Reilly and the Old Soul Orchestra. Um, That that is from 
preach him now, which, excuse me, not from preach him now. Uh, I'm, I am definitely not having the best mo- morning in terms of my synapses moving. Uh, excuse me, that was from Stereoscope. And uh, I think a, uh, or was that from preach him now? My gosh. Okay. I'm going to have to get back to everyone on that. Anyway, though, uh, before that was Smokestack Lightning, uh, written, at least we think it was, it was written by Howlin' Wolf, performed by Howlin' Wolf, uh, and so many different artists have done that song, and I, I think, uh, you know, Marty's rendition of it is, in, in my opinion, definitely one of the most interesting, or even, I'd say, fun in a way to watch, uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to continue on with a couple more of Marty's tunes and then get to some other local music. First, we need to do a couple of quick announcements, but we'll be right back. You're listening to KXS FM LP in San Francisco. KXSF is anti-hate. KXSF is anti-racist. San Francisco Community Radio condemns all acts of violence, bigotry, and hatred aimed at our marginalized neighbors. We vow to actively combat prejudice by using our unique broadcasting and digital platforms to raise our voices in support of change through collective action. Help us to shape a better future. For more info, go to kxsf.fm slash kxsfacts. Thank you. This New Year's Eve, veteran KXSF volunteer and DJ Elizabeth Platt was among two people killed in a tragic hit-and-run accident south of Market. Unfortunately, pedestrian injuries and deaths in San Francisco are not uncommon. To honor Elizabeth's memory, KXSF is teaming up with Walk SF to address this growing threat. To find out more, please go to kxsf.fm and click on KXSF Acts or check out walksf.org. Thank you. KXSF is seeking volunteers and we welcome your help. We need energetic people with aptitude and interest in music, technology, event coordination, and station operations, even on-air opportunities. We're a San Francisco-based non-commercial radio station broadcasting locally for the Bay Area and beyond, educating students, giving them real radio experience both on the mic and behind the scenes, and providing a platform for local artists with conversation and content that wouldn't otherwise be broadcast. San Francisco Community Radio is a volunteer nonprofit. No paid employees, no strings. Listener donations and local underwriting power our programming on KXSF 102.5 FM. We're an equal opportunity organization. People from all cultures and communities are encouraged to join us. If this sounds like you, please go to our website and click on kxsf.fm backslash contact us. We look forward to hearing from you. Great. So uh, we are back. Uh, and um, so first of all, Shudder is from Preacher Now, which is an, it's an EP that uh, Marty O'Reilly and the Old Soul Orchestra released in 2015. <clears throat> I knew something was, was – I knew it was in there somewhere. Anyway, uh, uh, just want to put out a little word for KXSF as a station. I said we um, – uh, you know, if you're looking to volunteer, we there are plenty of volunteer opportunities here, including having your own show if that's something you're interested in. We're also doing a fundraising drive. Uh, it is a completely volunteer organization. So if you are interested in donating, you can go also to kxsf.fm to donate. And uh, I think what I want to do now is play a song from uh, the second album that Marty O'Reilly and the Old Soul Orchestra 
released and uh, I think I think it's a personally I think it's a beautiful album um, I'm gonna play what is to me one of the most moving songs on it it's called let the wind in See the wind is rising Watch it blow away its tries Feed the burning tree Blossoms all across my back It used to hide with all the lights out The doors and shutters latching When the time approached Zip to keep from passing Suffering can be stranger than as a child I guessed and No stranger to suffering Let's be treated as a guest Or one of that
see the wind is rising Watch it blow away its tracks I see the burning tree the Blossoms all across my back Something that she said with the photographs She didn't say with the ballpoint pen 
Now I'm learning how to worry. Never was a worrying kind. She left me in Texas. Texas with a worried mind.
past the commotion, past all the history and the hiss of the tape. As you draw closer, like images in the fog, his voices and sounds they begin to take shape in Jonestown. How far am I from? And that was Jonestown from Signal Fire's Marty O'Reilly and the Soul Orchestra's new release. Uh, before that, we had Letters, which is a um, from Marty's first album, Preferring. Um, so watching him do that live is just, I mean, it's, it's great listening to it on the album, but it's always a, a killer song to hear live. And... Uh, before that, we uh, went to Marty's second album, uh, Stereoscope, and that was uh, Let the Wind In. So we're gonna, we'll be back in just a, a minute or so with some more music. Support for KXSF comes from the Barrel Room San Francisco. The Barrel Room showcases the cuisine, wine, and spirits of different regions of the world with rotating menus featuring different countries and geographical areas. Go on a culinary adventure without ever leaving the city. Visit the Barrel Room SF at 415 Sansom Street in the Financial District. Check out their website at BarrelRoomSF.com. Thanks for supporting KXSF 102.5 FM. Support for KXSF comes from Arizmendi Bakery, a worker-owned co-op specializing in pastries, artisan breads, and gourmet pizza. In addition to their San Francisco shops in the Mission on Valencia and on 9th Avenue in the Inner Sunset, you'll find Arizmendi's sister co-ops in Oakland, Berkeley, Emeryville, and San Rafael. Find out more at ArizmendiBakery.com. Thanks for supporting KXSF 102.5 FM San Francisco. So you're listening to KXSF LP. Uh, the show is Friday Morning Frequencies, and I'm very excited to be here. This is Pamela Bush. I usually have a show, a show on Wednesdays, but uh, we're doing a, um, I guess, a little bit of a caravan of sorts, uh, taking turns on Friday mornings, which is great. And what we're, our focus on Friday mornings is our local bands and local organizations. So uh, here is a um, – we're going to play now uh, – Kendra McKinley, Fine as a Vine. She will be playing with uh, Marty and uh, Marty O'Reilly in the Old Soul Orchestra on New Year's Eve up in Sebastopol at the uh, Hopkin.
Singing out 
And that was uh, Viva La Fay, uh, a local artist uh, with Georgia, uh, off of the album Lovesick. And and I actually asked Marty, uh, you know, what was some of the local artists that he was really digging, and he mentioned her. And yeah, it was a beautiful song. Before that was Kendra McKinley, who is playing with Marty O'Reilly and the Old Soul Orchestra on New Year's Eve. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and return to some local music in just a, a minute. Hello there, radio listener. This is Henry. I've been a DJ with the station for over 10 years now, hosting two programs on Wednesdays. The Open Mind Music Experience is DJ Hankster from 10 to noon, traversing the sonic soundscape from ABBA to Zappa, followed by Toast and Jam as DJ Hankadelic from noon to two, when I play head music to go far out and far in. Not necessarily stoned, but beautiful. So join me mid-Wednesday from 10 to two. Thanks for listening and supporting your local indie San Francisco radio station, KXSF. KXSF is seeking volunteers and we welcome your help. We need energetic people with aptitude and interest in music, technology, event coordination, and station operations, even on-air opportunities. We're a San Francisco-based non-commercial radio station broadcasting locally for the Bay Area and beyond, educating students, giving them real radio experience both on the mic and behind the scenes, and providing a platform for local artists with conversation and content that wouldn't otherwise be broadcast. San Francisco Community Radio is a volunteer nonprofit. No paid employees, no strings. Listener donations and local underwriting power our programming on KXSF 102.5 FM. We're an equal opportunity organization. People from all cultures and communities are encouraged to join us. If this sounds like you, please go to our website and click on kxsf.fm backslash contact us. We look forward to hearing from you. And yes, yeah, so just to reiterate, there are volunteer opportunities if you're interested in being part of a community radio station uh, here at KXSF. Just go to the website kxsf.fm uh, for more information. And we are also, uh, as is the end of the year, we're doing a lot of fundraising. KXSF is a nonprofit organization. 
uh, and it is completely volunteer run. So uh, I know there are lots of you know, lots of lots of folks, lots of organizations are are looking for money uh, right now. So, as you're thinking about year end donations, please keep KXSF yeah in mind. Uh, we're going to continue on with some local music, and here is a new uh, uh, new one from the Rainbow Girls a band. I guess they're they're based out of Santa Cruz or the Central Coast. Uh, they just released, I think, earlier this week, uh, Rolling Dumpster Fire, uh, and this is Free Wine.
Well, I hope you won't see me in my record company. You know I could never be alone. Take me down, little Susie. Take me down. I know you think you're the queen of the underground. Yeah, you can't sit.
guys have a good time. I had a good time with you guys. Thank you guys for coming out.
guys so much for coming out. And that's Jackie Green, uh, who is going to be playing at the Sweetwater next week for a few dates. Uh, and I've seen Jackie Green live a few times, and he's, he's, he's terrific. Uh, I was introduced to him when he was part of uh, Phil Lesh and Friends doing an ensemble at the Warfield for five nights in uh, 2008. And I was like, wow, who's this guy? And then I just started checking out his stuff, his solo stuff, and I was like, He's good. He's uh, originally from Salinas. Uh, he played with the Black Crows for a little bit, uh, live, never in studio. But uh, yeah, if you if you, if you uh, get a chance, if you like his music, he will be next week um, playing at the Sweetwater. Before Jackie Green, we had the Brothers Comatose doing Dead Flowers by the Rolling Stones, and we started off with the Rainbow Girls doing Free Wine. Uh, so that is it for me today. Thanks for listening uh, to Friday Morning Frequencies. This is Pamela Bush, and uh, I'll be having, I'll be back on Wednesday. And uh, in the meantime, I'm just going to leave you with a little quick music. Uh, This is Moon Alice um, doing Time Has Come Today. And uh, Moon Alice, uh, uh, Lester Chambers is one of the members of Moon Alice, Lester Chambers, of course, of the Chambers Brothers. So it's not like this is a complete cover. Uh, Anyway, I hope everyone has a rockin' weekend. Anyway